Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hey. And today we are continuing our look at East Asian horror uh, with a film called The Wailing. Uh, tell the audience at home all about it, Steve. Sure. It's the story of a man on a boat who is trying to hunt his nemesis, the white whale, Moby Dick. Hence the whaling, but it's you know it's a Korean version of it. I suspect there's uh, a cricket sound effect. Uh, <laughs> I I really hope that uh, <laughs> we did actually wind up watching the same movie. Call me Kwok Do Wan is the first line in the movie. <laughs> uh, no, uh, the whaling is a horror film. It's a Korean horror film directed by Na Hong Jin. It is his third uh, film, and the title of the film is actually Gaksong, which is the name of the village it takes place in, but it also, that particular word also means like uh, roughly something that can be translated to wailing in English. Right. So that's why it's called the wailing. Because right. it's one of those clever double-meaning words that are pertinent to the film, mm-hmm. but uh, are lost upon the the rest of the world that isn't Korean speaking. Correct. So. Correct. All right. Now, tell us. Uh, you know this little town. <laughs> it, I. I, I <laughs> I watched this movie very early this morning uh, as of the time we're recording this. So it would be somewhat fresh. And I, I, I really have to say that um, for the first maybe third of this film, it's almost a dark slacker comedy as this small town has the most inept police ever. Yes. Um, so the film starts out with a family that is murdered. And the local police in this town have to uh, investigate it. And our point of view character is one John Gu. He is, he is a policeman. He's a sergeant. But he's a small town cop. He sucks. <laughs> Right. He's like constantly late. He's constantly like farting around. Like him and his his like partner doesn't bother to. Or the CSI guy doesn't bother wearing gloves when he's uh, hunting, hunting for evidence. It's just you know, right. And yet, and I actually I watched this with Logan, and we were watching it, and I said, "Look, I don't know if this is supposed to be funny or not." Because it has that air about it where it's like, you know, it's it's goofy. It's not quite Sam Raimi goofy, but it's definitely got like that, like, oh, those those dumb cops. <laughs> yeah, but um, there is a tone change, and the tone change is accompanied by a literal lightning strike. Well, but the thing that, is, that though, marks that marks the shift. There's still like a lot 
like yeah, the cops are, are wacky and everything. Mm-hmm. But you gotta remember this film basically opens up with a family murdered. <laughs> right. And and the murderer, a pus ridden, blood covered just waste of a human being sitting there watching the police go over the crime scene. So it's not like completely zany. No, it's dark. Just the fact is that the main character and his buddies are kind of bumbling imbeciles. And even when shit goes down and gets serious and at the end of act two or beginning of act three, depending on how you look at it, Mm-hmm. when they go after the guy, there's still a bunch of idiots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just their idiocy becomes less laugh-out-loud funny because I did laugh-out-loud at some of the, like, physical comedy stuff that was thrown in there. Um, up, up until the point of the of the lightning strike, which that was the last laugh that I had in this movie. Well... Up up until like the one of the climactic scenes toward the final act, um, that was amusing to me as well. But uh, yeah, it was up until that point. It was just kind of yeah, the subject matter was dark, but the police characters were so inept at solving everything or even uncovering any remote bit of evidence that it was just hilarity ensued as these guys were trying to figure out what was going on. Right. Um, no, I, I get it. Cause it does definitely has that, that like, am I supposed to be laughing at this vibe? And the, the fact that it's, you know, it's a Korean movie as well. Um, you know, I, I don't have the same uh, cultural cues as they do. Um, the audience that the movie was was made for, right? I.e., South Koreans. So I don't know whether it it was supposed to be funny or not. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I uh, you know because but... if Go you ahead. look at I don't know if you've ever seen Train to Busan. No, the, the other big Korean horror movie, right? Um. So that has funny moments and you know when to laugh and it's zany in parts. I mean, it gets dark, but it's definitely got funny moments, mm-hmm. right? Um, what was the other movie? It wasn't really a horror movie, even though people um, people build it kind of as a horror movie. Um, the, the Korean movie, the, the um, Parasite. Parasite, yeah. Right had moments that were obviously laugh out loud funny, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even though it dealt with dark subject matter. This one, I didn't know if I should be laughing or not. I, I get that they were bumbling, but there was nothing else except for the behavior of one or two characters that was funny. Right. So that's just kind of weird. Well... Uh, I'll tell you whether whether it was appropriate or not. I laughed out loud when the characters were were goofy, um, or were doing something that I perceived to be goofy. Uh, slips in the mud. He gets yelled at. Uh, his partner, the captain, tells him he can't even wash a 
car? Why are you letting him inv- do investigation work? You know, that that type of stuff, that's, that's funny to me. Yeah, I think it was, like, there to establish the fact that the guy's is like you said, he's a slacker. He's kind of a, a nebbish. He's mm-hmm. not very good at what he does. No. And But living in like an isolated mountain village, he kind of really doesn't need to be. Yeah, he's he's, he's kind of that, um, in, in an American horror movie. Uh, he's Barney he's, Fife. He's kind of that Barney Fife character. He's, um, oh, shoot, uh, the guy from scream uh david arquette right he's got he's he's that that kind of character you know that that really it's like it's like the fate dealt us the worst possible protagonist for this particular uh event well but the thing is that so i would make the argument that it doesn't really matter who is um going to be uh, involved in this thing right because it opens up and there's two murders two like grizzly family murders that happen you have the, the the one that opens up the film and then um maybe uh i don't know 10 20 minutes later you get another one right right, right exactly and now you start to see patterns and they're not obvious until the end mm-hmm um, but you know, once you've seen the whole movie and you put it all together, you're like, anybody really is fucked. Right. When, when this happens, anybody's fucked. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it could have been you. It could have been me. It could have been anybody because I'll tell you at the end and there's this big like thing that happens at the end. I really don't want to spoil it, but I was kind of, kind of with him on that and, in. in like uh, the choice that was made, which may or may not have been the right choice. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to be very evasive so I don't spoil this. Right. No, I understand. Um, it's really difficult, I would say, to to really spoil it as as the ending kind of kind of left me confused. Um, from what I understand, reading uh, about the film afterwards. Uh, there was a deleted scene at the end that would have wrapped things up a little more tightly. But as it as it ends, uh, you are still kind of left guessing as to what exactly just transpired. Which is, I disagree. Is... I actually disagree with that. Oh, really? Yes. I think the only thing that was lacking, and it might have been a um i don't even think it was cultural bias i think it was flat out um the director misdirecting everyone so there's this scene so long story short the cop gets involved in this thing and his daughter um all signs point that his daughter is going to be the next one to kill her family right right yes um and so he's he's trying to prevent this. I mean, now he's like gone from cop to cop dad. Right. And his family hires a shaman Mm -hmm. to, uh, to cast out the evil. And they have this scene where, and everybody in the, in the, in the village thinks it's this Japanese man who's doing this. Right. All right. So I, 
not really spoilers at this point. Right, that's in the trailer. Yeah. Um, everyone's super xenophobic and blames this uh, Japanese guy. So there's this... And they've already gone to the Japanese guy's hut and discovered some freaky shit. Right. So, so the movie is basically telling you this Japanese guy is bad. Right? Mm-hmm. So they, they have the shaman perform his ritual which is pretty pretty freakishly intense yeah. right yep and that is like you watch it just to see this this uh this exorcism he has that happening and concurrently the japanese man is performing his own ritual right mm-hmm. and they they juxtapose them and they frame it so it looks like they're opposed right that is probably a lie. <laughs> and it's the same kind of lie. It's a misdirection as mm-hmm. opposed to a lie. As in the Silence of the Lambs, right? Right. At the end of the Silence of the Lambs, you have the FBI going to what they think is the killer's house, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not. But they juxtapose scenes with Starling and scenes with the FBI. So in your mind, that's what's happening. But that's not what happens. Um, Balagan Ojitade did it as well in uh, Beneath the Shining Jewel, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it's not so much of a lie as a misdirection to put this, to frame your mind as to what's going on. Once you you realize that the two rituals are just, they're just happening at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Then you can take a step back and go, okay, so we know what this one ritual is supposed to be doing, right? The, the shaman's ritual. Right. Right. What is the the Japanese guy's ritual supposed to be doing? And when you think about what that is trying to accomplish and what happens when they go after him, then it makes sense. Coupled with the final scene, the actual final scene of the film, not the deleted scene. Right. And the, the, the final events. It, it makes sense. It's it's something you have to kind of pay attention to and think about as opposed to... So, I mean, I, I watched it a couple nights ago, so I've had a little bit of time to mull it over. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's not um, as enigmatic enigmatic can't speak as, um, as it is just cold viewing it. I guess. Well, there. See, but you're neglecting I'm, the third. I'm not neglecting. It. I'm trying. I'm. I'm. I'm trying not to spoil everything. Right. But there. There. There's. A, as you're watching through, it's. It's almost like uh, one of those locked room murder mysteries in a way. Yeah. Where you have a list of suspects, and you have reasons to believe that. This suspect, that each suspect is the one responsible, but you also have very good reasons to believe that each suspect is not responsible. So it, it almost becomes kind of a multiple choice. And yes, there are some events there uh, toward the end that, that kind of seal the deal. But I think I think it was deliberately left as not enigmatic or, or anything but but maybe a little disorienting yes I'll, I'll go with yes 
it certainly was a little disorienting. Um, and and that's a that's an interesting feeling to come out of a horror movie with, is not not necessarily you know the uh, ugh, what did I just watch all of this stuff I just saw on the screen was horrible, but just that thought in your mind that you're not entirely certain you've got it figured out. Right. Well, I will say that um, I agreed with the choice uh, that was made by. Um, by John Gu at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say whether there was a right choice or the wrong choice, but I did agree with what he did when I while I was watching it. Right. So, I mean, I, it's I was swept away definitely. <laughs> and after we get off, off camera, I'll, I'll tell you um, why I think that it's. Um, it's not as like I'll get more in, in detail about it because it's definitely a spoiler. Right. Right. And I, and I, I don't want to, I don't, I really want people to watch this movie because it is, a, it's a really good movie. It's, it's supernatural horror, practical effects and no CGI to ruin it for you in the end. And, and, and not even like, well, there's a little bit of a cheesy reveal, like, you know, prosthetic um, effects reveal, mm. which which was there, but not as bad as some of the crap that <laughs> we've seen over the years from <clears throat> beyond um, where the, you know, you get this like clay looking monster. At the end, right. Or like something or something that looks like, it, you know, jumped right out of the computer. So that, that's actually to me, that's more valuable um, to have like good practical effects that don't really distract you from a film, mm-hmm. um, and and don't cheese it up like uh, the void. Have you ever seen the void? No. So the void is like great until the very end when they have like this big monster reveal, and you're like, oh, it's just another fucking crappy rotoscope monster. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate that, especially like these days, right? When when you can do good practical effects, or sh- like do it so that it's subtle, right? Mm-hmm. Poorly lit, whatever. Show parts of it, you know, right? Like back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I, just from a from like a in just getting lost in a film and not having to like, you know, blink your eyes. So the, the cheesy monster doesn't look cheesy. It's, it's a, it's a good movie as well. Well, it's subtitled. So if you blink your eyes, you miss dialogue. <laughs> That's true. As well. But now there's some things that are subtitled where you're watching it and it's a chore to, to watch. Mm-hmm. And this is not one of them. Uh, it was like completely riveting me throughout the two and a half hour movie. Right. It is a, it is quite long. Yeah. So if something is two and a half hours and I'm not complaining about how long it was, you know that it was enjoyable. Yeah. This is this is coming from from Steve is normally uh what you would call what what would the opposite of a cinephile be? Um a cinephobe. A cinephobe. I'm cinephobic. 
I don't know. An hour and a half is like the perfect length for a film, if that. Possible. It, it really depends on what kind of film it is. You know, this particular film probably clocked in at right about where it should have been. It depends on the story you're trying to tell and the complexity of the story. Um, you know, really, the way things go, if this had been a, a novel, this would probably have been one of those kind of doorstop kind of novels. I don't really think so. I, I That's my main complaint about... Um, films are films that are adapted from novels is because to why would you even try and do that novels are so have such subtlety mm-hmm. to them and um it's a, an ability to layer information right um, that movies just can't come close to right but a lot of a lot of the uh one of one of the things that gets this is is facial expression um, a lot of the the tone of the movie is carried forth from our main character's uh, reaction to look. it. His blank, confused look. Yeah. <laughs> right, and it's a blank, confused look through most of the film, except for when he's on the wrong path, and then he, God damn it, he's absolutely certain, and you can tell. He has a heart attack. When his daughter's like, hey, hey, hey. Shit goes down. The guy can't, like, he turtles. He's turtling on his futon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, like, he's such a schlub that you can't help but relate to him. Right. Know? I mean, he is he is kind of an everyman kind of character. He is he is the average person involved in these types of situations. Would I mean, how many how many times do you like wake up and not want to like even come close to facing the day, but get up anyway? And then, you know, you're 10 minutes late and your boss yells at you and you're like, "You're lucky I'm even here. I want to stay." In right. Bed. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And then, and then, uh, one of one of the scenes post uh, tone transition that I I kind of enjoyed was the well, no, it wasn't post tone transition. It was right up against it. Was the scene where him and his partner were assigned to guard the police line at, at a house that had burned down. Um, right. And this this one character comes up and is throwing rocks at them. And he sends his partner away to do something else to follow up on a lead that they came up with sitting around bullshitting. And the camera cut the the scene cuts back to him and he's just like surrounded by dozens of rocks. (laughs) And she's gotten closer and she's throwing these rocks at him. And he's just like, will you stop that? It's like I'm going to shoot you. No, you won't. He's not even carrying a gun at that point. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what the um, armed situation is for South Korean police. But in in the beginning, uh, when he gets to the first crime scene, it's raining. Right. He asks for a raincoat. They also give him a gun belt. Right. And the rest of the time, he's in uniform uh, in the film, and I. I actually noticed this uh watching him walk around 
is he either lost that gun that they gave him in the beginning somewhere or he took it out put it in his desk or something and never thought about it again he just it's an empty holster and uh, he could have saved himself a lot of time had he had that gun with him and just shot <laughs> shot um yeah person yes shot person mm-hmm. but he didn't even really think about it that way no no now uh what do you think about the xenophobia ah yes well i mean obviously you know we we are talking about um you know the the village uh implicating a japanese man uh a stranger in a strange land um and korea's had a long and troubled history with the japanese that is true um, um, they've been invaders the, many times. In, okay, but that's in, like the equivalent of 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 um, you know, I guess the Italians hating the Germans. Yeah, I mean that's that's possible. I mean it's it's there, and you know, and it it kind of also serves as as kind of a MacGuffin sort of situation. Is like okay, the the xenophobia is it's too neat for this to actually be what's going on. Right. So, yeah, it definitely plays into uh, part of the misdirection, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, because everyone's xenophobic that you wonder if, like, their suspicions of this Japanese guy are because um, he's actually up to something. Somebody's seen him do stuff because he's, he's got this urban legend quality about him. Right. You know, they, they say a lot of things about him and some people have talked to people who've talked to people who've seen things. Right, right. There's rumors headed around and, yeah, all, all sorts of different things. So, and then coupled with anti-Japanese sentiment mm-hmm. in rural Korea, um, I think you do get that that sense of, um, of it, it, it plays into like this, this, question as to whether or not um, this guy is really the culprit. And by the way, the, this Japanese stranger is played by Jun uh, Kunimura, who was in the audition. Hmm. So if you're a fan of... Uh, that's uh, Mike, right? Yeah, that's Mike. Yeah, so there you go. Fans fans of uh, Japanese horror will uh, have have some a familiar face. Uh, all all in all, it was it was a pretty uh, intense ride. It was it was very much for me laughing at the parts that may or may not have been uh, humorous. Um, uh, up until you know the 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 uncertainty uh, spawned by all the misdirection, I, I would say it's definitely a roller coaster ride, and I'm not a big horror fan especially in film um go figure uh but yeah i I say it's definitely worth checking out it's like in standard definition it's like two bucks on amazon prime i thought it was um i thought it was free on amazon prime nope no if it was uh it got taken off of that (laughs) at some point 
because we've been planning uh, this for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, I, I mean, I have Shutter, so I watch it on Shutter ah. because I I enjoy horror films. Right, right. So that's the easiest way to get to them. <laughs> it's funny because I hate films, but I like horror films. Right. Yeah. And you like films and hate horror films. Right. Well, I, I'm kind of mediocre when it comes to films. I'm not uh, a, a certain mutual friend, a certain Monday night hero who is definitely a cinephile <laughs> in the very in the very real sense of the term. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's worth checking out. Uh, and of course, you know, you thought it was worth checking out since uh, you oh, yeah. suggested I, the topic. <laughs> well, I I definitely enjoy this film. I've been meaning to watch it for a while. Um, and, you know, one of the daunting things about watching uh, foreign films is just you have to read them. Um, and, you know, or you can get a dub, but... <laughs> Uh, I, don't I don't think know. that was available. As I, I don't think it was available either. And and unless you are watching like Shaw Brothers films, where that's like you know warts and all, mm-hmm. I I I'd rather uh, watch the subtitles. So it's, if it's something that's not worth watching, I'm quicker to turn it off if it's subtitled. If it doesn't capture my interest, right. All right, so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Wailing. Yes. Korean horror. Ahab dies. Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's the spoiler. Wait, W-H-A-L. W-A-I-L. Wail, as in a cry of anguish. Not wail, as in the uh, nation in the United Kingdom. That's <laughs> right. The wailing. <laughs> yeah, Ponzi little f- fart buckets. <laughs> oh, it's all set around Cardiff. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Check it out. The wailing, and uh, we'll be back next time. Uh, we'll be transitioning toward noir uh, with a look at Blade Runner. Black is it? Black Lotus. I think so. Yeah, the, it's and, some colored lotus. Yep. Uh, an anime series based on Blade Runner. Obviously. It's in the title. It's, and it's until next right time... Go fuck yourselves. GFB. Yeah.